Welcome to another episode of Hell in a Cell Phone, the podcast where we attempt to make sense of the Attitude Era of WWE 20 years later. And this is a, a strange episode for me. Um, I don't know about you, Bobby, but doing the homework for this, I felt a little bit like a traitor. Um, you've got your iPhone and your Android nowadays. You've got Xbox and PS4 people. And back in the late 90s, if you were a wrestling fan, you were either a WWF person or a WCW person. And the two camps really didn't mix that much. Yeah, I never really watched Nitro at all. My only experience at WCW was a video game on N64, which everybody loved. That was a lot of fun. I think it was like WCW versus NWO World Tour. It was just like I remember really that big polygon people and they were just kind of like clunky. They were almost like the shape of wrestle buddies. And at the time it was like essentially photorealistic. So uh, I liked playing that game a lot. Yeah. It's uh, weird looking back no, at I, those old graphics. I had no weird experience looking... WCW though outside that. <laughs> it's weird looking back at those, um, those old graphics that seem so high tech at the time. Um, this is the most WCW that I've ever watched in my life. We're going back to the January 4th episode of Monday Nitro, infamous as one of the final nails in the coffin of the Monday Night Wars. So should we get right into it? Let's do it. It starts, it comes in on grainy footage of Goldberg getting shocked by a cattle prod and Kevin Nash claiming victory at him on, I guess it was um, Starcade was the most recent pay-per-view before this. Yep. Which is essentially and, WCW WrestleMania. And then cut to the Starcade's a really Rose. good name, by the way. I like I like the name Starcade. It makes it I don't know, there's something about it that just makes it sound like just like interesting and and mysterious. Yeah, it's the that's arcade my, for the stars. That's it. I mean, yeah, like who yeah, an arcade? That sounds great. And then cut to the Nitro Girls. WWF never. Nitro Girls. Uh, never. Nitro Girls reminded me of the Thirty Rock sketch from One Nine Hundred OK Face. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that. Um, Liz Lemon was in a commercial for like a sexy Dateline called One Nine Hundred OK Face, and it's like a very funny commercial. You should look up the clip from Thirty Rock. It's very funny. I do uh, remember this. But they're all kind of like wall-eyed, and like they all have the same kind of like uh makeup as. Uh, a 14-year-old boy understands makeup, which is like blue, <laughs> like Mimi Bobek, like blue eyeshadow, red lips, and everyone's like, eh. or like that, uh, like that SNL sketch where they used to be like, thanks, Mercedes, or whatever. Yeah, it was the, like, yeah. the, the last sketch in the, of the night, yeah. They were very, um, very wall-eyed, these, uh, these Nitro girls. It was, I gotta say, I mean, for me, uh, this is the only WCW I've ever watched and it was extremely jarring because it had like all together it had a real running man vibe to it yes. like especially especially with like the the nitro girls where they're just like we're presenting to you these gladiators who are going to fight and kill each other for your pleasure yeah yeah they're going to do weird. they're going to do a mournful dance in tribute to goldberg after he was shocked by the cattle prod <laughs> Not Goldberg, hero of the community, Goldberg. <laughs> oh, Listen, God. I donate to charities. I I clean oh. up my 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 sidewalk. I sometimes do my neighbor when it oh. snows. Oh, we'll get there. We're gonna go there. We're gonna go there. Um, but right now we're in the Georgia Georgia Dome. Um, and there is the Nitro Suite. Where apparently Spud Goober and all the boys at the Texaco got to hang out for the night on Ted Turner's dime. Oh my god! I oh my god! Really entertained, fantasizing about some sort of McMillions esque heist they pulled to win this prize. <laughs> they definitely <laughs> all look like the type. <laughs> no, you have to invite me to a uh, smaller wrestling event near you, and then I'll give you the ticket to get into the uh, the pavilion suite. <laughs> You're going to need an Atlanta zip code. Yeah, I gave this one to you because uh, you don't have the same last name as me. <laughs> so uh, while the beginning reminded me of Running Man, uh, the party in the suite reminded me of that like near the end of Boogie Nights when um when Jack Horner 
is like, I know we're going to have like, we're going to bring a guy in off the street to have sex with a porn star. And it's just like, oh, oh, no, 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 no. This is so, this is really sad and it's like depressing. That's kind of what it felt like. It was just like they really had the the highest hopes for this party and for how it would turn out. And it was just a bunch of like thumbs just going, go back, go back. That was oh, it. Wait, wait, aren't you, aren't, aren't you Jim Goldberg? We We sat together in math class. <laughs> no, no, I don't know you. I don't know you at all. <laughs> But speaking of hiring someone to have sex with a prostitute, uh, we then get to see Ric Flair. <laughs> uh, yeah. Also, did we see a young Charlotte? We did. Uh, yes. Super young Charlotte and uh, like had a real like did, did not look happy to be there, really. No, no, no. She looked like she was. I remember um, when my uh, my parents. <laughs> this is, is going to make me sound like uh, I'm. A lot richer than I was, but when my parents bought a boat and then I had to go to a boating safety class, I had the same look on my face that Charlotte had the entire time. You, you, know, you know, you've talked about the boat about the boat and the boating safety class before. We know how rich you were. <laughs> um, and then we also get um, Super Bowl cut Reed Flair in there as well. R.I.P. Well, yeah, I don't know. I don't know much about about Reed. Um, I, although I, I know that he was supposed to be like the the guy to carry on Ric Flair's name, and then he died. Is that correct? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that was yeah. Uh, Charlotte's younger brother, and he died of, I think it was a drug overdose. I believe so. Yeah. Uh, and then there was a dude there with a, in a colorful jacket that looked like Pendulette that had the longest ponytail I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, there was a whole... I mean, I didn't know who his coterie was. Uh, I was just like... You know, it was just like a bunch of guys. And then there was like... No, it wasn't... They didn't have Steiner at the time, did he? Was Steiner with him then, or was it later? No. No, Steiner was at the end That was... Hogan was with um, Steiner. Hulk Hogan. Yeah. This was... um, In his group, we have Arn Anderson, legendary member of the Four Horsemen. Dean Malenko, who's going to be one of the earlier transplants to WWF from WCW, and for the first time on screen, Chris Benoit. And just having watched the Vice documentary this past week, it's going to be kind of weird talking about Benoit the wrestler without thinking about Benoit the murder-suicider at the same time. I mean, it's all I can think about. I literally can't... When we were, when, you know, we were watching uh, WrestleMania 36, where um, Edge and uh, Orton were having that that like brawl, the last the last man standing match, and at one point they're like in the gym at the facility, and uh, I'm just like, uh, did anybody think about the optics of this? No, yeah, it's pretty I don't think they did. Yeah, I don't like. I didn't like seeing it. Even there was like a part later in the show that I kept missing. Cause it was like right after, uh, like Chris Benoit's match, the the actual match that he had. And I kept missing it because, uh, every time I would go back, it would go back a little too far. Catch Chris Benoit, I would like my brain would turn off, so I'd stop paying attention, and then I'd miss the part I was actually trying to see and have to go back and start all over <laughs> again. Um, and to get to Ric Flair in the ring, by the way, um. Was was Ric Flair like slurring? He sounded like he was like fucked up. That's just how Ric Flair talks. Yeah, that's just his voice. He's got like oh, a little well, bit of a uh, a speech impediment. I want to say he's got a it, voice like he's got a mouthful of teeth. Maybe <laughs> yeah. his. I, I guess what I'm saying is his his speech impediment might be Thunderbird or <laughs> uh, or Colt forty five. Well, I do have to say, Ric Flair is just shy of 50 here and looking incredible. Honestly, would. Oh, I know. You know, I, I, I could get it. Young Ric Flair looked like blonde Michael Scott. Okay. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. I see that, too. All right. And then he calls out the well, actually, so we should say, Ric Flair is now the president of WCW. Sure. And then he calls out 
the man of the night, the one whose mistake this evening inspired this particular podcast, Eric Bischoff, who comes out doing his best cool CEO, like Mark Cuban kind of look. But that's just how he always dressed, kind of a leather jacket, a t-shirt underneath. I'm the president, but I'm also a badass. Like, Is he supposed to be a badass? Does he ever fight? I don't know. He oh, did... I mean, he was like a. I don't know where we are in um like WCW chronology because I don't know that much, but I do know that uh he was he was like a big man type evil dictator, but he did kind of fight, and I think he had kind of like a kung fu sort of inspired move set. Uh, but he wasn't very good. You know, he was he was still like cowardly. He played cowardly heel, I believe. But again, this is not my area of expertise. Um, and we're not asking you to be the expert here. Uh, thank you. He's demoted oh, to announcer what? tonight. Yeah, he's demoted to announcer. Well, th- th- it's funny because um, Ric Flair is just like, you're gonna start. You know, I'm gonna. You're gonna start making half your salary, and you're gonna be an announcer. And then he uh, he talks about uh, the the guy who who um, Eric Bischoff fired. I guess he was a an official. The referee. The referee. Who he fired, he brings the referee back and he goes, let me tell you something. You're hired and you're making twice your salary. And I feel like Ric Flair only understands multiples of two. <laughs> He's like, I, listen, I, I, I can't give you a, a standard 3% increase. Uh, it doesn't make any sense to me. How does 200% sound? <laughs> I'll only come back if I'm quadruple my salary. I can't do that. But what I can do is double your salary and then double it again. When when he has to when he he buys a pizza for his family, he's like, "Okay, so I'm gonna do half between me and my wife, and then I'm gonna do half between me and my son, and my wife will do half between herself and Charlotte, and I think that's how we'll we'll split it." That's a that's a joke about how he doesn't know how to do division uh, with more than two. <laughs> Uh, oh, by the way, just to just to really stick on the Ric Flair thing for a second, how many times do they have to fucking play uh, "Thus Spoke the Zarathustra" over and over and over? It was like it felt like a nightmare, just like hearing the same, like just the repetitive thing. Like at least at least Charlotte's version of it has like a good drum and bass beat so it can just keep going and just like follow the beat and just like have uh tastes of the original sorry man yeah it's kind of like you're you're trapped in trapped in the worst like uh classical concert that you could be in right right it's like it's like um you're you have you have a group of friends who like finally learned how to like they, they're like, you know what? We uh, we decided to form an orchestra and we've been practicing and they only practice the first 30 seconds of a, of a piece. They only know the duh, 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 duh part. And so they just keep playing that all over and over <laughs> again. Right. And one of one of the one of their friends like takes a, the triangle and hits it really loud. And that's it. <laughs> And then Ric Flair ends this by booking a match where he books two people in, so it might lend some credence to your theory, Eric, against Kurt Henning and Barry Windham, who we knew as the Stalker and Mr. Perfect. But oh, let's okay. get into like let's get into the really fun stuff. So after a match where we got with Booker T, who I can't wait until he shows up in WWF, and Chavo Guerrero, the cops have come for Goldberg. First they came wow. for Goldberg, and I said nothing because I was not Goldberg. Well, first they came for Goldberg, and he said, "Whatever it is, whoever charged me with whatever it is, like I said, whatever it is." He said about <laughs> he said that a hundred times. He kept going, "Whatever it is," and I'm like, first of all, the cops come up to you like you're under arrest, and you're like, "Well, whatever it's for, I didn't do it." It's like that's not a great look. No, that's a ter- It's a terrible defense. It makes you sound guiltier. Like I like whatever it is you're about to tell me. Nope, nope, not <laughs> happening. Like, and, how about just saying like, what am I charged with? Like, listen, he does nothing, nothing but positive things for this community. <laughs> is what he says. Which, just, just in the kindest, the kindest interpretation, he slams people for a living. 
<laughs> like, that's, that's not even being smarmy. That's just the fact. He, but he positively slams people. He goes to the hospital. He says hi to people. Oh, no, he gives he, you really. Oh, he gave us examples. He says. He tips he goes, 20%. I do all the things for the kids. All the things for the kids. And then he <laughs> says, I do things for fallen cops. Right? Uh, yeah. What the fuck does that mean? It, it means like, that he plants he plants evidence on a, on a guy to. <laughs> Because the guy the, at first you're like that's that tra-. you're like ah that or like you know like that's like a generic sort of like support our troops you're like yeah I get it but then you're like wait a minute that also sounds kind of sinister <laughs> like yeah, I, do, I do favors for people that are in a bind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my favorite part is when they're about to take him in and he goes, "You're gonna need every gun you got." I'm like, "You just need one. You literally need one gun." <laughs> Man, I, watching Goldberg with those cops was like watching a terrible improv 101 class where like no one is supporting each other. And he's like, okay, guys, you can't all, you can't take me in. Nope. None of you could take me in. This is bogus. You couldn't take me in, any of you. And he literally says this or collectively. And I'm like, what is happening? I know. That was amazing. That was amazing. <laughs> nope. Like, this is the worst. Each of you individually energy. or collectively as one body. Yeah, Bobby, it's like he's waiting for one of them to try to take him in so that he can, like, wrestle them away and fight him off. Nobody here can take me in for anything I didn't do. Turns out cops can do that, and they like to do that a lot. <laughs> Turns out that something happens all the time. They actually can, because, like, I was like, honest, I mean, look, every cop's a fucking bastard, but I, I was <laughs> like, you know what? These guys are the reasonable ones. They're like, we have a, we have a warrant for your arrest. It, it, a judge signed a warrant, a bench warrant for... Goldberg, like and they're even, they're sorry, even like, we'll we'll just come down, and we'll just straighten it out. They're not even giving him a hard time. They're like, just come on. And he's yeah. like, Jack, Jack, you know me, Jack, Jack. Oh God, you know me, Jack. And I'm like, this is such bad improv. It was it such me, bad improv. It took me a full minute to figure out if he had, did he have a cop friend named Jack, or was this like the Joe Biden Jack? You gotta understand, Jack. I didn't do it, Jack. Oh, I, I this this was like you know these guys. There's probably like a, a good prequel where like uh, Bill Goldberg and Jack like had like a maybe a, another forty eight hours or something. <laughs> you know, like they had to he, he he got in the he got in trouble with the wrong people. They had to kind of chase him down, and it was a stakeout. It was pretty good. They were against each other at first, but then they kind of learned to respect each other. I mean, this was some amateur hour bullshit. I mean, I I, I can't. I can't believe this was on television. I didn't realize he was so bad on the mic. I mean, that was we we made fun of obviously like the and I'm sure we'll make a we'll we'll draw bigger comparisons between the Austin McMahon sort of situation and this, but we we you know we we had our fun talking about the Austin McMahon stuff and the Richard Jewell Chicago cops and all that stuff. And all that aside, though, that was so fucking entertaining and thrilling and truly edge of your seat. And this is such fucking cheese dick bullshit it is absurd it was it was rough it was a rough it was a rough watch i mean like every aspect of it like the you know when they start when they bring in elizabeth and it's like oh i mean i guess we'll get there yeah we'll get there uh miss elizabeth the jennifer love hewitt of professional wrestling actresses holy shit (laughs) dude do you want to go? Should we go? I know we didn't do anything, but you want to come down to the uh, the station with me, and we can talk about about Goldberg there. Uh, man, that was all very bad. Well, let's keep going then. So Kevin Nash is pissed because he's set up for there to be a rematch against Goldberg tonight because he was angry that his friend Scott Hall shocked him with a cattle prod and he won that way. Hogan shows up with his weird colored beard that, and again, Hogan is another, like you can't look at him without thinking about, Oh, you say the N word and you put Gawker out of business. Yeah. You shouldn't look at him without saying, without thinking that. Now, as you've given me permission to not be the historian here, is Hulk Hogan running for president as a publicity stunt in real life only in WCW universe, like on television, or is he like, go, is he like Joe exotic running for president? I think it was a publicity stunt for him, just like promoting him. Cool. Sure. Cool. 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 Um, what? How? How does that beard work? It like, doesn't. 
Because <laughs> <laughs> like, question. well, you have is to put every... you have to put painters it... tape on the uh, the handlebar part, <laughs> and then you just you just use your roller on the rest of it to to paint I mean, it black. Was any was any of his hair not like face? Any of his hair on his face and head was any of it not dyed? Like maybe his eyebrows? I don't know. I, don't I think, think he so. may have also done his eyebrows. I, I think so. Yeah, no. crazy. No, he turned evil and his beard turned black from evil. Yeah, he was evil, Aaron. It it rots <laughs> from the follicles. I know how evil works. And yeah, uh, I've been evil forever. Okay. I've had this beard for so long. But here's my favorite thing. So I don't have any context coming into this. Hogan shows up dressed like Shaft, and he goes, "I'm a Law and Order politician." So he's running for president, but also he's a, I'm like, first of all, you are a law and order politician. As a, a politician, I would see on Law and Order. Uh, I would see, uh, I'm like, he's running. I had no idea what was happening. So I was going like, geez, what? What is happening? What is happening? Also, Hulk Hogan could 100% be elected as governor of Florida tomorrow. Oh, yeah. he could now. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I would vote for him over DeSantis. You have to understand, you know, there were a lot of people who I, I think, um, what was it? Jesse Ventura really, really, you know, blew that wide open. Kane? Surprisingly. Kane keeping the torch alight. Right. <laughs> Corporate political Kane. Uh, okay, so Goldberg is at the station. Can we talk about, I because I, I cannot wait to talk about. Well, we got a little uh, bit to go before that, oh, right? Sorry. First, uh, so we got Perry Saturn, who, that guy. Versus Baby Perry Jericho. Saturn. Perry Saturn, cool. Uh, comes to the WF later. Is very cool. It has a very weird story where I believe he saved someone's life in real life. Like in a heroic, like ran into a burning building kind of thing. Cool. Hey, you know what? Hey, Phil Pops Collins. Ain't got no problem with him. Phil Collins, write a song about that. How there's come there's, few, there's a, how come there's, there's so much focus on that one guy who didn't get saved, but there's no focus on the one guy who did save the life? Makes Ask some questions. That yeah. reference to that Facebook thing that's going around right now about how come people are posting the death toll and not the number of people who are saved from the coronavirus is going to be really, really, uh, well, actually, you know what? It's probably still going to be going around by the time this releases. So I know what I'm talking about. Oh, my about. God. I, I didn't even know that that's a thing. I'm so glad I'm not on Facebook. It's great. Even I'm stepping away. Too much. Too uh, much. Yeah. Um, so now we know that Goldberg was arrested for aggravated assault from Elizabeth Lubetsky, who he finds out is Miss Elizabeth. Of course. How does he not know her last name? They all work together. Well, like, there's there's a lot of logic that doesn't go along with that. Um, and we're did back he think up her with... last name was Elizabeth and her first name was Miss? <laughs> uh, but we're also back up in the luxury box where they're throwing popcorn, which always shows that you're having a good time. They're also like doing that weird thumb wrestling thing, and it reminded me. I'm like, meanwhile in WWE, they have like karate fighters, like the real deal, solid things. <laughs> They're playing here with some cardboard bullshit. <laughs> I love how even 20 years later, we're still like bitches for the WWF. We're just gonna <laughs> gonna stand by our man no matter what. Yeah, like remember our favorite thing, karate fighters. That get that <laughs> that toy that we all loved and we thought definitely was worth playing. Well, I mean, here's the thing. We, let's, we have to take a minute to, to recognize that we are watching literally what is known as one of, if not the worst episode of Nitro ever. And what many consider, and what many consider known as the best episode of Monday Night Raw ever. So it is sort of an unfair thing to, well, of course we're going to hate the WCW one more. Because this is also, we need to acknowledge this is an example. This is their floor. And the other episode we watched for this is WWF ceiling. So it is unfair right. to compare the two. But also we're it, going it's to. It's super unfair cares. that they both aired on the same night. Well, that, that, that this is, again, you know, uh, there's an episode a while back where I was like, think of all the chance things that had to happen to make, you know, the Attitude Era light up. And like with this night, the, what we're talking about tonight, it's like how many things had to line up magically for this to happen. So right. they continue. So that's when they're interrogating Miss Elizabeth, and we're learning that Goldberg is following her everywhere. He's at the hotels, the arena, the gym, you know, all the places that WCW either books, owns, or has a stake in. I love watching this because it's so, um, 
like everyone's outfits are so of the time. It almost feels like a period piece. I was like, this is like American crime story, Ryan Murphy, period drama, recreation. <laughs> Look at that wig, honey. Like everything is uh, perfect. Like the cops are straight essential casting. It's lovely. This was great. The, the problem with this, with like the setup of what's going on here is that like, as like, as soon as they lay out the facts of her case, it's like, of course, everybody knows what the, re- you know, what the real story is going to be, right? Like, so it's like, I, I guess, it, what it, well, would you consider it dramatic irony? I don't know, but like. Well, there's definitely a tension. I, I mean, you're right. You, you're definitely, no one at any point was supposed, I don't think they thought that anyone was like, oh my God, did Goldberg really assault Miss Elizabeth? Like right. everyone knew from the jump that it was a setup, including Goldberg. As, as he said, whatever it is, he couldn't have possibly have done it because he is a, pure, a force of pure good. Right. So He does things for kids, Bobby. I mean, I did just watch him, like, spear Braun Strowman four times in a row in, like, 40 seconds. But anyway. Uh, um, but he put he put Braun Strowman over, so you know what? I guess he that's charity. Yeah, that, that's, what, that's what I call charity. Uh, but <laughs> Wait, do we hate I Braun Strowman that- now? No, but the whole thing is a bad situation. Yeah, I, I mean, I, 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 w- I want better for him, but I can't. He can't help who, the him he is right now today. Okay, yeah. Um. But anyway, what was I saying with this? Oh, so no one was supposed to believe that Goldberg really did assault Elizabeth, but I do think there was no one thought what was happening was happening. So everyone knew something was afoot, but no one knew what 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 the escapade was. So. You're kind of supposed right. to know that she's full of shit, but you're trying to. You're supposed to be looking in her whole story for holes, which they wrote into it. Because you heard her being like, "I was at the Pepsi machine. I was getting a diet oh, coke," yeah. and you're like, automatically, you're like, "Huh? He was wearing red no. tights, no gray tights. It's like everything. Like you were, you were supposed to not trust her the whole time. It was like uh, LA Confidential, that game, LA Noir, that game on PS4. No, I mean, trust me. I, I mean, it didn't take Columbo to see the holes in that story. I guess what I'm saying is like the when when the holes came this like because like she gave the story over a few segments right so yeah. when the holes so came many later segments. so many seg- too many segments one too might argue many segments uh but when you know when the holes came later you're like okay like i see what's happening but even early on in the beginning because like the way i imagine it is if you're the way if you're telling a story like this where you're like Goldberg, you know, Goldberg's been arrested. He's being, uh, he's being, you know, accused of these things. You know what? What you would want, I would think, to do is, is have the initial thing be like, oh my god, like these are some bad charges. And then as you dig deeper into it, that's when you get, I was at the Pepsi machine. No, I was at the Coke machine. He was wearing red tights, uh, black tights. I don't know, you know. And th- that's then you get that, but like. When when the biggest claim is, I see him at every hotel. Well, it's like everyone knows. Like, come on, guys. <laughs> like, you're all. You mean on the touring, like on the tour that you guys are all on together? Well, here, here's a theory. Here's a hypothesis. I also wonder if, like, we take things like I don't know the assault of women seriously. <laughs> and so for us, we're like, wait a minute. When really yeah. in 1999 they sat down and they were like, uh, basically. Elizabeth got to keep him busy at the station for a little bit. What you can say, I don't know. Say you roughed her up a little bit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's, it's just like a story beat. It's not as, so they don't care the, the details. Thing. So yeah. I literally don't think they even expected viewers to be concerned. Like, oh my God, is she okay? Does she need a shelter? Does she, someone call someone? <laughs> like, I don't think they were just like, whatever. She's like being dastardly and just kind of really, it's about the red tape. And it's about how women lie. And, oh, absolutely. You know. I kept writing my, my notes for this. Just keep saying, believe women, believe women, believe women, believe women, believe women. I was like, what is this bullshit? Uh, well, women don't only yeah. lie. They hang out with around uh, lowrider cars that are hopping up and down. If you're looking at the Latino World Order segment of the, ah. tonight. Eddie, that party looked so fun. <laughs> well, Eddie Guerrero just makes everything look super fun. He's charismatic as fuck. Uh, and I actually think... The things I, f- I found myself accidentally watching a lot of stuff on this when I couldn't get the timestamps right for some reason. So I ended up like watching a lot of like the stuff that wasn't part of the assignment. Uh, and I felt which like is the fine. Things- yeah, but I felt like the things I saw that weren't part of this big storyline were the things I enjoyed the most. 
or like light heavyweights and like fun stuff and like seeing people from the WWE way back when like seeing like Rey Mysterio and see like that's the stuff I enjoyed the most. Uh, sure. Stuff that had to do with this. Yeah, because it was I, wrestling. And also, and, I mean, it's cool to see young Jericho. Like that's awesome. But and, even the, that that Latino World Order party like filmed was like looked looked different. It felt a little. It was cool. It went on for way too long, but other than that, yes. But and, honestly, I was like, you know what? Like compared to all the other things I was seeing there, I was like, this is fine. I was well, good with it. We could hang out with Eddie Guerrero, or we could check back in with Miss Elizabeth for the sixth time. Well, <laughs> <laughs> then we check in with Goldberg, who was like, yeah. I'm at the hotels that WCW books. I'm at the arenas that WCW. I'm I'm at the gym that I literally the Abaki is the Abaki gym. Jack, I own the Abaki gym. I know he put all the pieces together. Good for you, Goldberg. By the way, if you own the gym, don't you know Elizabeth's last fucking name? It's on her papers <laughs> that she signs. You know that membership card you gave her? It's it's on the card. Yeah, Goldberg does the books at night. He's sitting with the uh, with the calculators like kachik kachik. Oh, I can't think this got, add up. He's got the green visor. Yeah, just like a big long receipt and the adding machine. Yeah. <laughs> oh well, I mean, I feel like I did have an accountant named Bill Goldberg. So <laughs> I was gonna say, wait, are we getting still a little anti-Semitic? <laughs> it's all right. I can say it. It's as we record on Passover. <laughs> so then we get kevin nash in the ring kevin nash does not want to win like that if miss elizabeth's there hogan must be behind it and nash challenges hogan to a match that's when we get miss elizabeth again with all the holes in her story the red tights one is really like the have we ever seen goldberg no. in red no. ever that's what they mean. It was just such like a blatant red flag, like a like a blatant thing they were doing to like show their to to show their hand the whole time. Yeah, it was very winky. It was just like, oh, okay, guys. Yeah, like, we know she's up to something. We we just want to figure out what it is. It's like the same play as like the Nitro Girls. Like they're like, I don't know, man. We need to spoon feed this to them. These these are some simp's watching us. Yeah, remember the Nitro Girls came on. I'm like, this is what Tiger King would put in a wrestling show if it was like straight. This is like straight people, Tiger King. There and is like everyone was like, oh man, I want to, I want to meet a Nitro Girl. They had a Nitro Girls calendar. Like I didn't realize they were. They, it was like the Fly Girls from uh, In Living Color. No, but it was like it was like the Fly Girls the morning after. You know what I mean? It was like after the party, after they're done like dancing and being cool and having fun and like living their best life. Then the morning they're like, what? Like that's all the Nitro Girls look like they were definitely sedated. The second squad definitely didn't practice as much. I noticed when they came out. Guys, there is an assistant principal in a school in my network that is a former Nitro girl. Can we what? interview her for the pod? <laughs> I think she's trying to put a lot of that behind her. She could be anonymous or just her first name or no name even. I don't. We, we don't fucking care. Yeah, you just know. use the last name of Elizabeth, Miss Elizabeth. Nobody fucking will get it. No one knows it. <laughs> So then we've got Hollywood Hogan, who's running for president. He's going to retire. All these things. Um, the audience is way ahead of the curve in hating Hogan in 1999. Oh, yeah. I yeah, mean, but not like, for the right reasons. Yeah. What were you going to say, Bobby? That's also true. Those, that's true. And so at the end of that segment, that's when we get one of the biggest moments in the Monday Night Wars. They're cutting to commercial, and as they're about to go to commercial, Tony Chavone says, Mankind, who was Cactus Jack when he used to wrestle with us, is going to win their world championship tonight on WWF. So now you know that, so now you don't have to tune in over to them. Then he ends it with, that should put some butts in their seats. Which is not in the Nitro on the network. Yeah, it is. Which is not the what? butts, the butts and seats. Yeah, I missed it. I didn't hear it. Yeah, that's well, enough. I feel dumb. I didn't hear it at all. God, I even went back. Wait, so can you can you explain like what? How did he know so all the back, stuff back then? <coughs> WWF would tape their some of their shows. So the episode January fourth was actually taped in the end of December. So WCW is uh, filming is is broadcast live, so they you know spoilers leak and things like that, and they hear things and word travels around, and so they 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 would spoil other things on Raws in the past. 
But basically, the thinking or what it seems or the positioning that they put it in was this idea of, like, mankind. You who wants to see Mick Foley be champion? Uh, so like, so they're like, Everyone. yeah, stay with us because otherwise you see this like slob over here win the championship. Um, no Is surprise. that it? It's like no shock. That wasn't That's how I read it. it was taken. That's definitely how I read it, was it as um. I read it as more just like, hey, we've already told you the ending, so you don't have to read the book. Like, you know, we you now know there's no surprise. There's no reason to go over there because we're no, already I, telling I, you what's without, happening. I don't think that attracts because I think what you get that that's what put butts, that's, that'll put butts in seats. I mean, that's very pointed. Oh, okay. I thought uh, so he was talking about. He was being sarcastic by saying butts in seats. Yeah, absolutely. Like meeting. It was, yeah, absolutely. It was like, that'll put butts in seats. It didn't mean like, that'll put butts in... He wasn't like offhandedly saying off the mic to the co-host. He was saying it as well, part of the dig. I, I would, my guess is that Aaron's interpretation was that that'll put butts in seats, meaning you won't get up to change your channel to, to WWF because you already know the answer. Is that right? Yeah, that Aaron? was my interpretation, yeah. What? Yeah, no, I thought like, that he meant that... that That'll put butts in seats like, hey, the, the guy who's about to get up to change the channel, you're just going to keep the butt in the seat. Oh, no, no. Butts in seats means like crowds. It means like, oh, it means like that'll be like the, that's people, people don't want to see that. That's what we, that'll, that'll put butts in seats. Like Mick Foley as champion is going to put butts in seats. All right. Well, butts as and the. Seats uh, and butts in seats and butts. I'm about to beatbox. Hold on. Butts in seats and butts in seats and butts in seats. Well, so Bobby, what happened as the WCW MasterCard commercial aired? Everybody changed the channel because everybody wanted to see that. Let's uh, go but back. I wanted the WCW MasterCard. <laughs> also, before we go to WWF, I do want to say um, there's a, a particularly choice quote from Hogan where he goes, "Brother, when there's positive momentum, there's positive momentum." But when there's negative momentum, there's negative momentum. And I was like, you know what? He's a he's politician. Right. He's he's telling it like it is. It's a truism. Those those things are both those things. <laughs> if A is A, then also we have to understand that B is B. Yeah, it, it's like everybody was off their game on on WCW that I, that we saw. You know, it- like the off things may have been different. The bad was real bad. Yeah. And the bad was real bad on Monday Night Raw also. We've seen plenty of shitty things. It just so happened that this was this perfect storm. And that night on Monday Night Raw, we had a lot of great going on. So should we go over to that? Yes. Sure. Okay. So Mick Foley comes out, um, says this is the first time he said suck it without a please in front of it. So Uh, good. He um, loves kicking the man's family's asses. And then he comments on all the Foley is God sign. And he says, Foley might not be God, but he's pretty damn good. And so then forever you would see Foley is good signs in through the, throughout the arena. And he wants one more question of Mr. McMahon, of Dad. He wants to have uh, The Rock at the Royal Rumble for the championship. Because as we all know, at rock bottom, he won the match. And he should be the champion right now, so he deserves one more time. Okay, first of all, my the the Foley is good is so good because you know, like he he laid out a whole thesis in like this whole he it was a very it was like a nice it was it wasn't just clever. It was like this is my argument. And his argument was like I deserve the title. I I should be getting the title shot. I should be I should be wrestling for the championship title, and here is why. And then he ties it into the McFoley is God. He's like, I'm not God, but I am good. And like, just to be like, basically, like, look, I'm I'm a fucking good wrestler, and I should. This is why I deserve it. This is why I should be doing it. It was just like, man, it it was a work of art. And does McMahon give him that match? Nope. No. No, he definitely does not. No, he does uh, not. But he is going to book Mick in a match against Triple H that night for a spot in the Royal Rumble. 
So we go to that match, Mankind versus Triple H. Shane is the special guest referee. That ends with a super quick count from Shane and Triple H winning. But that wouldn't be the end of it. Bobby, what happened next? Triple H gives Shane the pedigree as a sort of like gift to mankind, a little sign of respect, I believe, right? Yeah. Was the motivation? Yeah. Then, uh, well, because right mankind... now, um, because right now, Degeneration X has kind of taken mankind under their wing. And he's like an unofficial member. He's their special friend. He's their little buddy. And so then Mankind grabs Shane McMahon, who is just the special guest referee, places him in, uh, I believe it's called the McGoonagall Armbar. And that was the reference he made. He's like, I borrowed this from an old friend. And Deep South, it was like literally like the wrestler who originated the move. It was just the, what makes Mankind so good is even the random shit he says, like everything is grounded in truth and reality. Like in some bit, it was perfect. Um, but basically uh, he blackmails Vince McMahon into giving him a match. Uh, he says, he decides, I'm going to break your fucking shoulder, which is awesome. He doesn't He doesn't want a spot in the Royal Rumble. He wants a match against The Rock tonight. And then we get to see, again, that vindictive cunning side of Mankind as well, but that doesn't seem out of place even within the character. Even though he's a crazy person, we still understand, we see these flashes of understanding, these flashes of brilliance, and now we get to see him manipulate the situation to his own advantage, and it's great. Rock is pissed off. I'm not ready to fight tonight. I'm not. Uh, I'm not even dressed to fight tonight. Um, yeah. I missed that last part that you said. Uh, Rock is is pissed off. He's he says he's not ready yeah, to he fight said, tonight. No, no, he's not ready to fight. Yeah. yeah. And then McMahon tells him, "That's my son. Damn it! Like McMahon is back against the wall. He didn't want to do this. He wants to keep Rock protected, but he can't." Yeah, no, it was it was dope. Um, by the way, there was a sign there that said uh, "Mankind for President." I saw. I liked "Mankind." <laughs> <laughs> All right, I just did the simple things in life. On one of our other deep dives, we went into the history of the hardcore belts, also, um, and we stopped right before this time. Al Snow versus Road Dog for the Hardcore Belt should have been on that episode. And, and Eric and Bobby, if you get a chance, go back and watch that match. It's fucking awesome. It's everything that a hardcore match should be. And it winds up ending outside in Worcester, Mass, during a snowstorm with Road Dog pile driving Al Snow into a pallet. I saw it. It's awesome. Well, which which Raw is it on? Same night. Same night as this. So this that's what, yeah, so that's what I'm Whoa. saying. The same night. As as all this is going on, we got um, a really good Shamrock match. You've got um, Kane versus the Stooges. WWF was hitting all the right notes this night, while WCW was just getting everything wrong at the same time. And, and this is when that's when they would have turned over the channel. That's when Tony Schiavone's comment was lined up with, I believe, is was during the it would have been during the Road Dog uh, match with Al Snow. And no, then they turned I, over and it's like, heard, so wait, so comment. wait. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. And then they turned over and they're like, so wait, when is uh, when is Billy Gunn going to accuse Road Dog of something? And then uh, say, hey, well, Road Dog, he was wearing his hat that he's always wearing and he keeps uh, following me. So uh, Mr. Jesse James has uh, has filed a complaint <laughs> against you. I don't know who that is. Wait, you mean do you mean the Road Dog? <laughs> So then we get to the actual match of the night. Uh, Mankind's out. DX is at ringside. Um, the Rock either wrestles in no clothes at all or all of the clothes. There's so no middle ground for him. The Rock had recently had chest reconstruction surgery, I believe, at this point. He had Why? some kind of elective chest procedure. It was either to make his pecs bigger or I actually think it was to do some like fat distribution because he kind of had, uh, for lack of a less sensitive term, uh, moves uh, in a way before. Really? Yeah, Google it. But that's why he you was. You know what? I'm not gonna feel so. Uh, I'm not I gonna mean, feel so bad about my own body anymore. If The Rock had to get that shit done, I will say that's the know. that's the popular opinion during this time. Okay. Um, but yeah, so 
it's a good match. It's it's a really good match. It's a really yes. good, and it's it's just like it's just a fucking. Well, first of all, imagine turning on this show and you see Triple H, X Pac, Road Dog, Billy Gunn, China, Shamrock, Boss Man, Test, everybody outside the ring. McMahon, Shane McMahon, Kane, uh, Kane, Patterson, Briscoe. Every like you turn on, you're like, holy shit! Every star in the company is out right now, uh, and it's mankind. Well, not everyone, but we'll get to that in a dope. second. Well, there will be. Uh, but it is wild. It's just like, it's just so cool to see. I remember watching this when it happened live and just being like, like thrilled. Uh, cause it was so cool and exciting. Rock can do his fighting while on commentary bit as many times as he wants to. It, it's never not yeah. funny to me. And then he tries to do the spit water in the face thing again, gets a punch to the face instead. Yep. And mankind was great. Mankind is always great, but this match was great. Everyone go back yeah. and watch this over and over again forever. And then it oh, so good. And then Go the on. glass shatters. And I don't know if there has ever been a bigger pop than for Stone Cold Steve Austin when that glass shattered. Because Let's everyone's see. emotion was already at a ten and that brought it to a twelve. Yep. That was uh they people will say that's the biggest pop in history. Austin Which is crazy. Yeah. Austin swings a chair on the rock. Mick gets the pin. Another huge pop. Mankind gets to be the hero. Socko taunts the corporation, and then just the look of pain on Vince's face. Um, nothing, nothing will will top the the little dedication that that Mick Foley gave at the end about like for the, his two little people at home, or was cry. it two? Right, where he's like, you know, like uh, what did he say? Oh God, something about basically like you know. Daddy, daddy won it or something for his little people at home. Oh, I fucking loved it. It was, he's just the ultimate underdog in that way. He was never, he never thought he was going to be champion ever in a million years. And then to have this is kind of cool. Uh, I, I think, and the way, that's why, like you said, like it's the, the story unfolded throughout the night in such an interesting way. And the match was so exciting and he deserved it so much, both like storyline wise for like the, the shit he's taken from the McMahons and from the rock. And as just like a genuinely nice person we talks about, I think Michael Cole did a great job selling on the commentary, the, 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 the emotion of the moment. And, uh, I think this McMahon did a great job selling. Like he was really like, fuck, what am I going to do with this guy's my champion now? Uh, he kept going, not mankind, not, <laughs> not mankind. It was it's it's great in a vacuum and then it's that little powder keg and the spark was just that moment like they're like well everybody changed the channel and they just like changed the channel and got to see one of the greatest things that wrestling's ever done and there's enough cheating on the corporation side in this that it doesn't even feel cheapened from um the chair shot from austin because there's a real feeling that like on an even playing field mankind could take the rock but because oh, the, yeah. the playing field is so uneven that it's it's okay. Also, there's like the idea that they're still outnumbered. You know what I mean? There's still more corporation members than even with DX there. So Austin was just an equalizer, if nothing else. And I like that they made it that it was Mick Foley who won and not I feel like there's a lot of talk about Mick Foley and him as like a full and I was reading an interview with him that he did years later where he said like he always sees it as like a Mick Foley win and not like Mankind or Cactus Jack or Dude Love. It's like this was a McFoley championship. That's really nice. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, one little fun piece of trivia. Let me pull it up. Um, with a Tony Schiavone thing, because obviously, uh, what he said bothered mankind. And after the ratings came out, mankind called Tony Schiavone, and left a message that said, uh, "Let's see." Bobby, you could you could find oh, it and then just, yeah, you just say just it normal. <laughs> Said so, uh, once. Uh, I actually waited. The, so he waited, then he called and he left a message that said, uh, "This is mankind saying this in the interview." Uh, Listen, it's Mick Foley. I heard what you said. I honestly don't know why you guys would do that to somebody who worked so hard for so long for your company. And in truth, it probably just hurt your ratings. But anyway, I just thought I'd say hello. Oh, that's like awesome, very, man. Uh, and then uh, he said that she he called Tony Schiavone called back and his wife answered and his wife just said Tony Schiavone and he sounds really sad. Uh, <laughs> and then 
Mankind said he, there's no hard feelings, and he believes that Tony was, like, fed the line from Bischoff anyway, like, told to say it specifically, so there's no hard feelings, and not really hard feelings with Bischoff either, but, yeah, Mankind was really hurt by it. Man, it's like, it's like what would Mick Foley do? Hmm. He's a good guy. You know, when I was walking on the beach, uh, I only saw one set of footprints, and that was because... Mick Foley had fallen through the beach <laughs> to the beach below and it's nearly killed himself. The Undertaker threw mankind through that beach. <laughs> it's because good was carrying me. <laughs> so while this incredible moment is happening on Raw, uh, what was the main event on WCW, y'all? Well, first we've got Elizabeth getting pushed on her story. And and they do like in the most cop way possible. It's like, we, red trunks, but uh, but uh, Goldberg over there, he he always wears the black trunks. Were you getting the the diet coke out of the Pepsi machine or the Pepsi out of the Coke machine? I I don't know, ma'am. Things don't uh, things aren't quite matching up here. At one point, it got a little sassy though. I liked it. And it, it at one point, one of them went, "We're talking jail time, honey." <laughs> and I was like, "Yes, honey. We're talking jail time. We're talking jumpsuits. We're talking no flip flops, mimosas. <laughs> We're this, getting brunch. This police precinct has everything." <laughs> And then Elizabeth does the worst acting of of the entire night for her, which is a real feat at this point. It was oh oh you know oh no it was it was a gulp it was you know what it was somebody I think I guess it was it wasn't him I don't know <laughs> so then you we know filing a false rep- police report is uh, actually a crime. We're gonna charge you, Miss Elizabeth. A goal. The fucking worst. <laughs> I think the whole thing was. Oh, is it? Well, then never mind. Then the whole thing is false. Bye. And you're like, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, okay. And then Go we on. cut to then we cut to Goldberg, who is banging his head against the wall, <laughs> just like dunk, dunk. I don't expect that there's a rich inner life going on there. No. <laughs> Also, I fucking hate that fleece he's wearing. It's the largest fleece in the world, and it's so ugly. This was just like a mo- like. It's so fun that I could watch WWF from this time and still be like, "Wow, those guys are hot." I watched WWF and I was like, "Ew, ew, 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 ew!" Like everybody looked insane. Like even Goldberg, I was like, "Oh, he just looks such a dweeb." Yeah, the only person, really looked, the only person looked good like was Ric Flair. Ric Flair was the only one. Yeah, and and Jericho and Chris Benoit. Well, well, Jericho had his well, Jericho had his uh his long like Little super long hair with the the ponytail in the middle, yeah, and yeah. the chin strap that only like covered like three quarters of the bottom of his face. He's such a character. Gotta love him. Yeah, he's, he's great. A champion. He's great. That that bit with uh Ralphus, his personal security guy. That's awesome too. Very that guy good. was um a truck driver for WCW that Jericho just like was like, yeah, come on out with me. Wear this half shirt and yell at people who try to touch me. Jericho's ha- the best. He is what an artist. Best. What an artist. So let's go to not the best. Michael Buffer is in the middle of the ring announcing. And, and I guess they had him all the time. And that yeah, was, was why. Like they... And that was, was why say, this, um, this has like a real sports element to it. And that's why Triple H would do the let's get ready to suck it was a direct dig at Michael Buffer and WCW. Wait, so, he said let's get ready to suck it? Oh, I don't think like, Triple H started doing that yet. Oh, Triple H has been doing that for okay. yeah for a while. He goes, ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to suck it. You haven't caught on that one? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children, yeah. Uh, they have a whole thing. So, yeah. Hulk Hogan comes to the ring along with uh, Scott Steiner, who always just looks like a huge fucking Hulk monster. And is Buff He's so scary looking? Is Buff Bagwell with him too? Yes. Buff I, Bagwell. Like a lot of talk about fucking. Everything's like Big Papa Pump, and I was like, everyone's trying. It literally felt like I was watching Tiger King. I'm like, this is straight huh? Tiger King culture. Is is Scott Steiner the guy who who did the Frankensteiner? Yes. Yeah. Back in his younger days, when he was a, a weir man. 
But Buff Bagwell decided once to come out in a stovepipe hat and then decided, I'm going to come out in the stovepipe hat every time. Uh, I just feel like, so again, I said this moment in time is so bad for fashion and style. And I think Nitro was trying so hard to be of the time that in retrospect, it just is so much worse. And then Kevin Nash comes out. Um, the pyro behind him looked really awesome. Um, but as they're announcing Nash, he points back and Scott Hall is coming out, who apparently they had just had a rift because Scott Hall is the one who used the cattle prod to shock Goldberg at the match at Starcade. Um, and Bobby, do you want to describe the match between Nash and Hogan? No, but I will. Okay. Uh, so this is the infamous finger poke of doom uh back at this point wcw it's like you, you remember how wwf had gang warfare gangs rules gangs rules yeah so this was not wcw was was also factions but it was so many factions it was honestly more like a game of like risk or stratego where like everyone was like not really a faction as much as like a nation state so there was like Eddie Guerrero and Latino World Order. And there was the Wolf Pack, and there was the NWO, and there were like sometimes they were like parts, kind of the Bullet Club. Like sometimes there's like subdivisions, and there's like a whole. You needed the Wolf Pack to find the bombs. It was your strategic strategic oh, reference. I was like, I didn't. Oh, I didn't. Wow. Uh, but yeah, it's like everything. There were these much. The, the the stables were so large, and sometimes they intertwined. And sometimes they were stables within stables. It was like a very complex microsystem. Um, so at this point, Wolfpack is the adversaries of the NWA. The NWA are the cheapest teals. The Wolfpack have been faces. Um, so going into this, Kevin Nash, leader of the Wolfpack, uh, vroom, along vroom. With Scott Hall. And this is now, this is then what's bringing us into where we're at today. Man, Aaron, but two, uh, Wolfpack jokes in once. <laughs> uh, okay. Right. Oh, so then the match, so that they come out. They kind of posture a little bit. Kevin Nash pushes him. Hulk Hogan pokes him in the chest with his finger. Nash throws himself backward, wildly selling. Uh, Hogan pins him one, two, three for the championship. It's a setup. They were in cahoots all along, getting the belt back on Hogan, etc., and so on. And this is but a, for like what for, for what purpose? Like, I mean, I don't get it. Because Hogan, because Hogan is a force. Because for some reason. Every wrestling group decides that you need to, instead of building up the, the up-and-comers, and even Nash isn't an up-and-comer. Nash has been well-established, but he's a well-liked person. He's like a Dean Ambrose. You know what I mean? Like, he's still in his prime, I feel like, at yeah. this point. Probably older, but still in his prime. A little older, yeah. Nash. Not Hogan, but Nash is. And uh, so to put it on these known commodities in order to, I don't even know what. But, like, isn't ostensibly the goal of wrestling to be the champion? Well, no. NWO, the thing that, that was interesting, and they're, they're in some ways better than DX in some ways and, like, things like that because NWO was almost like an actual, like, interlopers trying to, like, take over WCW. They don't just want to be the champion. They want to run WCW. So they had their own commentators. They had their own referees. They, they had their like, own uh, pay-per-view sometimes, right? That And that's why, like, their entrance was black and white, and there'd be the TV static, and it was like they were, like, pirating into the feed kind of shit. Uh, so, like, it's a little different because their thing isn't. Their thing was to take over WCW and run it. So, okay, so the championship for them was just, like, a, a, a chip to play. Which is why they like, spray paint on it. It's almost like dis disrespect. It's like they don't even graffiti it because it, it's like, who fucking cares? That's why the NWO belts had the spray paint because they're always like, fuck the championship. You fuck your championship. How come they don't make their own championship? I think they, they might down the road too. And that's kind of what they're doing. Again, I'm not an expert in this. I didn't watch a lot of it, but that's that's what I gather from a lot. That That's my understanding. Got it. Um, but anyways, this is another like Dick Hogan move power grab um and Goldberg comes rushing out and they all beat him down uh yeah shock him again with the cattle prod make a spray paint noise with their mouths no 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 <laughs> i figured this out this was eric bischoff on commentary doing the doing the um the the like the sound of the foley work so he was literally he's like oh look at this oh he's killing it oh look at this oh and then he so 
I think he was also making the sounds of of Bill Goldberg getting uh, cattle prod. Like I think he was. I think that's his idea of like being funny. I'm not sure because it's hard to differentiate. Wow, that it's him until you like until you're like watching and you're like kind of catch that it's him sort of doing commentary i don't know writer performer wrestler commentator foley artist yeah he's actually he's actually michael he's actually michael winslow (laughs) (laughs) when he did the helicopters coming in i really thought it was there that's a police academy i know aaron got it but i figured (laughs) I don't know. Are you a, are you a police head? A police I'm a, ter- I'm a terrible. So I, I guess I'm a terrible straight ally. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, this it's embarrassing with the two next to each other, but also just looking at WCW on its own, not comparing it to anything else. You can see where they're just making a lot of mis- unforced errors. At this point, they have so much talent, they have so much, so many resources, but they can't just figure out anything to do to combat what's going on on the other brand. Yeah, it's a little bit like, um, uh, God, what? It's a little bit like when they did the brawl for all on WWF, and people were just yelling out like, "We want wrestling!" Like this felt a lot like that because it was just like. And this guy turned side. Oh my God, Lex Luger. Did Lex Luger really change sides? And like, eh. And they just beat up on a guy and and that's a, and then posture for like 10 minutes while everybody throws garbage. I do wish you could still throw garbage in the ring. Yeah. <laughs> Don't tell Tim. By the way, by the way, I looked it up. Uh, I guess, I guess, um, I guess like, I, I wondered if this was the, the time that like Hulk Hogan famously had a bunch of garbage piling up but then it turned out there was that was when hogan first turned heel yeah when he first joined the nwo (laughs) and it's like literally like you you just see it building up like it's a snowstorm yeah yeah yeah. i I watched it it's pretty fun i was i was expecting something like out of wally but (laughs) it was you know (laughs) i mean you know no crowd had that much garbage in them Anyone have any last thoughts? It's okay. If oh, no, I do. Okay. Uh, I wanted to just compare the two because I think like we kind of have like a whodunit caper, like a tense thing. Because I think you have to like to me the Goldberg storyline reminds me of the Austin uh, Vince McMahon thing. There's like cops that they're going back and forth. There's a sort of tension. There's a sense of danger. There's shenanigans. There's uh, abusing law enforcement. Uh, and WWF just does it so much better. Yeah. Just so much better. I mean, like, this was terrible. The storytelling was bad. The details were bad. The writing was bad. The acting was bad. The payoff was bad. Everything about it was bad. Well, I think part of that you... is because Goldberg is only really interesting as the guy who always wins. His personality isn't interesting. Nothing that he says no. is interesting. The fact that he's yeah. a big dude who wins all the time, that's kind of cool. And then once you take that away, as they did at Starcade, apparently, then you're left with just a guy who can't really deliver a line. His his turtleneck isn't interesting, that's for <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, oh, wait. Uh, what were you, Bobby, what was the last thing you had said? I had a thought about that. yeah, yeah. Right, right. I also wonder if, like the thing that they did with Kevin Nash and and Hogan at the end was like in any way influenced by what happened at um, Survivor Series where like WWF had pulled off this like really cool, you know, like, oh, it was a, they were in cahoots all along. And then like WCW was like, yeah, 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 we can do that too. Yeah, we're going to do a cahoots. Right. We can cahoot you. But yeah, Mr. Perfect is like with your with your with your whoop ass. I feel like it's probably honestly a, a pretty standard wrestling trope. Like I bet they have like a, 
yeah, do the one where you're working for the other guy. The old once around. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure they have, like, a thing thing. The old once around. Some, like, carny, like, fucking <laughs> trope. Oh, we're gonna, we're gonna pull the Pennsylvania merry-go-round? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wink if you get what I mean. That's worth two punts. <laughs> All right, guys, should we call it? Yeah, our first remote, our first quarantine, I guess our first, I guess not really. Yeah, our first quarantine episode. Yeah, you know, I'm going to say, just like WCW, this shit hit kind of different for me. (laughs) (laughs) It was a weird one. All right, well, love us, disagree, want to. Bobby. Accuse us of assault? Eric. I I had filed a false false police report against us. That's great. Let us know. Email us at hellinacellphone at gmail.com. Get updates on Facebook or Twitter at Hell in a Cell Pod or tweet at us individually. Eric at Prime Silver, Bobby at Bobby Hank, and Aaron at Slow Pass. Our theme song is There Are Traders in Our Mitts by Disco Vietnam and our artist by Alexis Yavni. Find links for both in our episode notes. Please rate and view us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back again for the Royal Rumble. <laughs>